Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, February 16th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on this podcast is Slash Film News Writer Ryan Scott. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Uh, so yesterday, while I was not here <laughs> yesterday afternoon, I don't know what happened. There was like a, a big sp- like, what would you, how would you describe it, Ryan, of like this, this, it, it felt like Paramount dropped like 30 stories on the the movie and TV press, and like in, in the late afternoon, it like hit us like a ton of bricks, I think I would, I would describe it as. Um, so it, we have a lot of stories to talk uh, that came out of, I guess it was a Paramount Investors conference or something. Well, yeah, I guess the first quick thing to go over would be, you know, Viacom CBS owns Paramount, but they have now in full rebranding, they are just going to be Paramount now. It is no longer Viacom CBS because Paramount is the most recognizable brand. So they are so Paramount now. Yeah, they had some big investor presentation yesterday and much like Disney, they decided to just like, let's here's everything here. Wall Street, give let give us your faith. It's funny uh, when Disney has their investors days and investors conference in the slash film uh, company Slack. We we are all there, hands on deck, ready for them to drop information. Sometimes they do, and there's a ton of it. Sometimes it's like you know, <laughs> one or two yeah. things. Uh, but we usually don't pay attention to Viacom or I guess now Paramount. But maybe now we should be. <laughs> I think, unfortunately, if if yesterday taught us anything, and I guess this is relevant to, you know, this is a little insidery, but for anyone who follows this stuff and, and attempts to try to keep up with things, pretty much any day there's an investor day now from a major corporation who runs a streaming service, you're probably going to expect that they're going to try to make a bunch of flashy announcements because Wall Street reacts to this stuff. And, you know, essentially streaming is guiding the way in terms of stock valuation. So, um... Yeah, essentially this was this was Paramount's way of being like 
here's what you got to look forward to for the next three years. Give us, give us some faith. So I guess now, you know, anytime one of these investor day happens, we need to be on guard. Okay. Before we get to Paramount, we have one other story I wanted to get through today because uh, I know we're both fans of the Muppets and there's some new Muppet news that hit the, the web yesterday. Ryan, tell us about it. Yeah. So, um, uh, I think there've been kind of whispers about something maybe like this happening, but it has been confirmed initially through giant freaking robot. But also we should mention that we have confirmed through our own sources that, that a new untitled Muppet series is happening for Disney plus, uh, it will be scripted unlike the Muppets now stuff. And it will focus on Dr. Teeth and the electric mayhem. It's going to be kind of a music industry spin, I guess. Uh, there's going to be some new human characters in the mix, but this is going to give Dr. Teeth and the, and the gang the chance to shine in the spotlight. Uh, you know, presumably the other Muppets will have a chance to show up. But the other big news here is that Adam F. Goldberg of the Goldbergs and known pop culture lover, particularly of things retro, is involved in the project in, in some capacity, presumably a relatively big capacity. Um not a ton of details beyond that, but essentially it's going to revolve around the band recording their first full-length album, uh, sort of taking a look at the modern music industry as it exists. And uh, yeah, again, not a ton of details right now, but that's so, you know, there is a new Muppet series coming, finally. Yeah, when, when things like this break, uh, well, this one in particular comes because they're casting it. it. It's going to go into production in the next two months and they're casting it. So those casting calls have gone out and uh, Giant Freaking Robot got a hold of those. So that's where a lot of those details come from. So they, uh, Disney has not announced anything. Uh, this is, you know, like we said, uh, or like you said, we we double confirmed this, confirmed the story. But uh, do we know, like, is this set today or is this a it, the only reason I ask this is obviously Adam Goldberg's involved and the Goldbergs the sitcom took place in 1980 something is what they say yeah <laughs> so, um, so is this is this gonna be a retro story or is this gonna be set today based on my reporting uh it's it appears that it's going to be a modern day thing because the idea is like you know dr teeth and the electric mayhem have been touring all these years you know they've been in the music industry for like the 70s you know and all that but then now they're sort of like recording their first full-length album in the modern era so like you're sort of seeing like the differences in the music industry between then and now through the the lens of the muppets which is kind of interesting um yeah so so it seems like it's going to be modern but I mean, it's the Muppets, so there's always going to be some nostalgia thrown in there. And, uh, yeah, I uh, I think it's a cool idea. I, I really I like it, and I think Adam Goldberg is the right is definitely the right guy to, to be handling a Muppets thing. Yeah, D- Disney has had a rocky road with the Muppets. You know, when they purchased uh, the Muppets from Jim Henson back in the 90s, it seemed like a perfect fit. And, uh, so but... strange. <laughs> I know. The, I feel like the only great things that disney has produced since then uh the, the muppets 3d which was a theme pack a th- theme park attraction i think was actually produced before they acquired them so i'm not going to include that here but i think the only things that they've produced that were great since they acquired the muppets were was the jason siegel movie the muppets i really love that and recently there was the muppets haunted mansion special on disney plus which i'm not going to say is great but it's a, a step in the right direction. 
I'm going to say for what it was, it was great. I was delighted by that. Um, (laughs) But also I will personally, and I know our very own uh, Chris uh, is on, is with me on this. I discovered yesterday uh, Muppets most wanted, I think is perhaps the most underrated Muppets movie of all time. (sighs) You guys are so wrong. Oh, I see you. That sigh upset me, Peter. I feel like we've developed a little bit of a friendship over this podcast. I I know. You're losing me. Muppets Most Wanted is the opening number of that movie is so brilliant, is so funny and so good. Uh, Maybe I don't know. Anyway, but okay. So some people feel some kind of way about that movie, I guess. I also I, I didn't hate the abc series that only lasted one season that kind of took like the weird oh you were the one that liked it i I did i I, you know i i didn't hate it um but uh i can see why it didn't really it's not really what you want to be hanging your hat on if you're looking at like this is your main muppets thing right now i guess it was kind of an interesting aside but it's so weird that you know disney turned marvel lucasfilm all these other pixar all these other acquisitions into gigantic pillars and like the Muppets feel like such a slam dunk and they just can't do it. Yeah. Well, you know, even who was it? Josh Gad had that project that fell apart uh, for the Muppets. Yeah, but he was Disney trying Plus. to do a sequel to, to, to Muppets take Manhattan, which seemed like such a good idea. Like, cause like you're at like peak eighties nostalgia yeah. right now. It's such, I don't know what happened with that. I'd be very curious to hear who, who, who sort of like kiboshed that because that seemed like an absolute slam dunk of an idea, but I, I agree. I, I am, you know, I love Adam Goldberg. I think he is a genius. I, I'm not a big fan of sitcoms, but the Goldbergs is just, it, it, it is perfect sitcom, in, in my opinion. Uh, and him with the Muppets is, is a great pairing. I'm kind of wondering if the Electric Mayhem have enough, like, they kind of seem to me like characters that are, are great as side characters, but not great in the spotlight. <laughs> But, but, but okay, but how often have we gotten to see them in the spotlight? Like, again, I think the thing is, like, if you're going to – I like the idea of, like, okay, let's let's take, like, a bit of a unique approach to this. And obviously, there's no way the other Muppets aren't involved, you know, but yeah. I think you're – it's an interesting idea. And then I think if this works, it opens up a whole maybe path for Disney to be like, okay – because even Muppets Haunted Mansion on some level, like it was a gonzo movie in in some way. And then like this could be like the Dr. Teeth thing. And then so you could sort of do like the Muppets extended universe stories. And then maybe you kind of <laughs> kind of. Well, no, but it's a, as silly as that is. Maybe that's a way to approach it. And then you so can, you're, you know, you're saying they're Avengers in it. They're going to do all these like side stories and they're going to all come together in an epic I- I'm not saying that's necessarily how it's going to go, but I'm saying I can see a path that, you know, yeah. like the, because the Muppets are so there is so much. And and I feel like, that you know, if, if you get people with a take on a character that they love, you know, there's a there's 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 a way to do it, you know, and, and it, it could I'm just saying it could be a path to it, whether or not it works out that way. I can see the thinking. Okay, I, as much as I'd love to talk to you about Muppets all day, we have so much <laughs> stuff from Paramount we to do, talk about. We do. Uh, I'm going to start with the new Star Trek film. So at, at this uh, <laughs> investors uh, conference or whatever, J.J. Um, Abrams spoke about the next Star Trek film, uh, saying it will feature the original cast and is gearing up to start production by the end of this year. Like, okay, so 
what J.J. Abrams is saying is that, you know, Chris Pine, Chris Pine is going to reprise his role as James C. Kirk uh, Ryan, uh, uh, alongside, like, all the people from, you know, the Abrams Simon Star Pegg, Trek. Simon Pegg, Zoe Solana. Yeah. Zachary, uh, John Cho. Quinto, uh, yeah, John Cho. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> this would be the first time them getting back together since Star Trek Beyond, which I guess by the time that this comes out will be, like uh maybe six years seven years seven yeah. or eight because star trek yeah. beyond was already 2016 so if they're filming this at the end of this year you're looking at maybe late 2023 if not like 2024 release date ah okay um they've been saying they were going to do a sequel for you know i mean since star trek beyond came out and uh if I had to, if Ryan, if I was going to pull your wallet out of your your pants and reach in there and pull out a hundred dollar bill and put it on the table and be like, Ryan, will you bet that this hundred dollars that this movie will actually go into production this year? What 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 would you say? How bold of you to assume I have a hundred dollars? Um, uh, I. Uh... <laughs> uh no i, I think I, it's a, I, I don't even carry cash so i don't like uh, reach into my pocket yeah. all you want you won't find anything uh, uh i i think because the landscape has changed so much and because there is so much pressure to deliver um i think the math has changed and i think it's gonna happen because i think it was super close to happening maybe a couple of years ago and ultimately it was like contract negotiations with chris pine that kiboshed it why have I said that word so many times today? It doesn't matter. But uh, but yeah, it, that that was ultimately what I've never said that in my life, and today I'm starting to like hang my hat on it. But but uh, but yeah, like that was ultimately what seemingly undid the whole thing, and that was when they were gonna bring Chris Hemsworth back and do the whole weird time travel story with Kirk meeting his father and all that. Um, yeah, so I think now they're just gonna pay up. Uh, and and they're just gonna go for it. So I think like they're not they're not gonna they're not gonna sit there and like haggle over. They're just gonna do it. And so I yeah I think it'll get done. Do you think that's gonna be that same story, that same time travel story that teams the father and son, Kirks? I, I here I I I can't speak from a place other than wishful thinking. Uh, yeah. So the thing is, I was not really ever a Star Trek guy, and I got drugged to go see that two thousand and nine movie with my best friend. And, like, the first 10 minutes of that movie is some of the most compelling stuff. Chris Hemsworth is so good in that in that opening. Like, and now Chris Hemsworth being who he is, absolutely I want to see that. Um, you know, and it's sci-fi. Of course you can find a way to make it work. Uh, so, no, I, I, I'd really like to... I, I'd like to see that. Um, and also, if I'm not mistaken, S.J. Clarkson is still attached to direct this, maybe? I think so actually yeah, is she's, it, she's she's due do for a movie that? i'd like to see her do this yeah yeah um okay well we'll keep an eye on this and i'm sure if this is actually going to go into production later this year we're going to be hearing about this pretty soon although it sounds like for the most part the casting is going to be the same so i'm not sure what we're going to learn especially if jj abrams is producing so eh, casting additions <laughs> maybe and just you know when it yeah it, you're right, though. It, may, it might just be, like, already <laughs> off and running, but... 
I guess the only thing we could learn is maybe Hemsworth is, is, is or joining like, in or now. Or if they cast someone as a villain or something, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did that in his sequel, and uh, they tried to keep that under wraps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to yeah, to mixed uh, uh, success. Anyways, okay, let's uh, move on from that to Transformers. It seems like Paramount is trying to throw out all the fran- all the franchises they own. They're like, what franchises ca- do we own? We need to go hard. Uh, oh, Transformers. Uh, we're we're already making that Transformers Rise of the Beasts movie. Uh, is there any way we can make that into a a, a trilogy? <laughs> Brian, tell us about it. Uh, yeah, well, and one thing I guess I should mention real quick, not all that long ago, a few months ago, there was reporting, so there was a, there was a, um, changing of the guard at Paramount, and, and it seemed like they were going to shift away from expensive movies and sort of geared toward mid-budget stuff and, and stuff that could work on streaming. Yesterday seemed to sort of speak against that, uh, but anyway... <laughs> Uh, you know, so so we know that Transformers Rise of the Beast, which will bring the, the Beast Wars into the fold, which was originally supposed to come out this year, is now set for 2023. Well, that is apparently going to kick off a whole trilogy. Look, it's not that surprising. We'd already had seven Transformers movies before. There was no way of thinking this was going to be the last one. So that doesn't surprise me that much. Uh, uh, but then there's also an, a CG animated uh, theatrical movie that will arrive in 2024. Uh, so yeah, there's, there, there's a lot more Transformers on the way. This is not surprising. Uh, the Transformers franchise has made billions upon billions of dollars. <laughs> Even the bad ones made a whole lot of money. Um, uh, I would wager that this is not a bad idea. Bumblebee was quite good. Um, I think that there is, without Michael Bay behind the camera, there's definitely a way to, to, to make this work and and there's clearly a global audience for it so this none of this surprises me and i remain cautiously optimistic you you know the surprising thing about this to me ryan is that paramount has this golden franchise with transformers like you know they they all make money um even when save for maybe the last night because it was so goddamn expensive but exactly it but they have so much it's they have such a hard time getting these into production and deciding the direction of this franchise but you that know, happened I, after the last night that was the problem that was the movie where they turned it because you look at age of extinction despite being just trashed by every single person made 1.1 billion dollars worldwide so at that point you ignore the critics and then you look at the last night 217 million dollar production budget only makes 602 the big thing is that you lost $500 million from installment to installment. So at that point, at that point, what do you do? Right? But, how do you, so, but I, would, I would say this, though. You make Bumblebee, which is a movie that everybody liked and did well. And then if I was at Paramount, I'd be like, okay, Greenlight Paramount 2. Uh, I mean, Greenlight Bumblebee 2. Let's get into production. That should have been out like a year to two years later. Okay, but And can we I, haven't can had I, a Bumblebee sequel? Can I, okay, but let, let me devil's advocate here. You're Paramount. The first Transformers movie back in yeah. 2007 makes $708 million. That was just unheard of back then. Yeah. And then you only go up from there. Uh, yes, Bumblebee did well, but you, you know, against a $102 million production budget, it made $465 million. Now, in the pandemic era, that sounds wonderful, but 
you know, that's still a lot less in raw dollars than like even the last night made. So for them, they're looking at, is there a way for us to get back to those gigantic numbers? And like, I think that's why they've, they've sort of hesitated on pulling the full reboot yeah. Um, because, because, you know, you're still, so I, so I understand the sort of thinking of like, sure, Bumblebee worked well. Do we lose an audience if we do a sequel? Sequels tend to get more expensive. You know, how do we get back to those billion dollar movies? And, and I can understand the hesitation there. Well, another thing that Paramount owns is they own Nickelodeon. And one of the properties owned over at Nickelodeon is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise. Uh, we know that already that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are producing a computer animated movie based on the Turtles, and that's coming out. But yesterday it was announced that not only is that movie coming out, but they're gonna, there's going to be a series of villain-driven TMNT films that are coming on the schedule for release. They have not announced who that could be. Could it be Shredder, Krang? Uh, Bebop, Rocksteady, the Foot Clan, <laughs> Baxter, Stockman. I don't know. Like, there, there's like a whole bevy of villains in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, line. Like, there's tons of them. Uh, but this, this to me, Ryan, sounds like it sounds like what Sony's trying to do with the Spider Verse. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I guess it's working out for them at least so far with Venom. But it doesn't sound like it's going to work out in in the long run. In my mind, uh, what do you what do you make of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle villain verse? Uh, look, I think if you do it at like a responsible budget, absolutely. Uh, look, the, the look people people sort of overlook the Ninja Turtles as a franchise that has been able to like endure wildly, uh, you know, over decades. You know what I mean? Like it it is shockingly enduring franchise. Um. You know, I say this as a man who was once uh, on a panel <laughs> at Phoenix Comic Con for you know the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Anyway, uh, but uh, but no, I, I look. I think this is a franchise that has weirdly also been kind of like, why haven't they done the right thing with this? Um, in a minute, and and I think animated is a good way to go. And I, and I and I see the thinking here uh, again. If you're not doing the, if these don't cost you a hundred million dollars to make them. And you have a streaming outlet for them, and and there's the brand recognition. But what character, like, I'm I'm sure you grew up with the turtles. I grew up with the turtles. I love the turtles. Uh, What villain character would you like to see as the first villain movie? Well, obviously, I think Shredder is the obvious choice. I think Krang would be kind of interesting. I'd also like like, and then you could do like a buddy picture with Bebop and Rocksteady. Um, You know, I think that'd be kind of fun. Uh, But yeah, like I. But again, I don't. I don't see any reason why, why, you know, th- this can't work. Uh, the one thing I, I would lobby for hard is a, uh, if, if, if not live action, like cool Spider-Verse animated Turtles in Time movie uh, would be pretty neat. Uh, maybe if this can all build to something. <laughs> um, I mean, if Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are involved, it, it, we don't know if they're involved in the villain films we we only know that they're involved in that uh computer animated movie but the other thing is like you have that computer animated tmnt movie uh which they, they actually tweeted out a logo and the logo looks like the original comic book logo like the comic book yeah win. so you're, you're you're kind of wondering if they're going back to the kevin eastman way of it yeah because they all had like red masks and it was kind of yep. i mean they weren't as kid friendly back then Oh, God, no. It didn't start out that way. People don't realize it started out as a riff on Daredevil. 
you know, because you have like Daredevil fights the hand, the Ninja Turtles fight the foot. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's very obvious when you start looking at it. Um, but yeah, no, it wasn't. It, it's it, that's what's interesting about the Ninja Turtles overall is that there isn't like this definitive version. It's everyone has their definitive version of it. Um, you know, in their mind. So that also is kind of what makes it hard to tackle sometimes. But I feel like with the vi doing movies on the villains, you need to have a good villain for that movie. And like, I don't, I don't know who you go to. Because I feel like Shredder has been overused. But I think like if you're going to have Shredder in the, you know, the big TMNT movie, then like who do you, it, it's, it's the, it's the Spider-Man problem. You're you're left with the B and C level villains for the the villain. But the movies. problem is the the bigger problem is even Spider Man has the greatest rogues gallery right next to Batman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the TMNT, you know, if you read the comics and stuff, you're probably more familiar. They surely they've had a lot more villains of the week, but in the public consciousness, there's like three villains you can mention. You know, so the problem is that the the Ninja Turtles don't have a deep bench like that. Um, you know, you can get down to like B and C level Batman villains and your average Joe on the street is at least heard of them. Um, so that that does get tricky with, with the Ninja Turtles for sure. Wasn't there like a version of the Ninja Turtles where it was like a bunch of different animals? Possibly. Am I like, um, uh, I can't look this up real quick, but I feel like I mean, they could maybe turn that into something. I mean, look, I've 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 consumed my fair share of Ninja Turtles over the years, but that does not sound like something that I have encountered. Yeah. OK. Um, you know, there's a couple other movie stuff that w was announced. We're just going to go over this briefly. So for Sonic fans, Paramount has announced that they're making Sonic the Hedgehog 3. So uh, and uh, a Knuckles spinoff series and also A Quiet Place Part 3 will come to theaters in 2025. Uh, Ryan, do you have anything to say about those before we get into the Paramount Plus of this all? Yes. Uh, franchises are, are so golden that Sonic the Hedgehog, after making a $320 million worldwide, has now spanned three movies and a spinoff series before the sequel even hits theaters. Uh, fascinating stuff. And then um, <clears throat> it should be noted that A Quiet Place Part 3, obviously, no-brainer, but... This is not the same as the the spinoff that is being directed by the director of Pig, which I believe is slated to come out next year. So there's like a spinoff, and then this will be a, a more proper part three that presumably Krasinski will be back for. Okay, now now that we've talked about the movie portion of this, let's get into the Paramount Plus, because th this whole presentation seemed geared around, at least to me, seemed geared around making Paramount Plus... Uh, seem like something that is going to be a huge streaming service in the years to come. I mean, I guess that was the goal, right? Uh, so Ryan, tell us about Paramount Plus. Uh, yeah. So, um, look, they 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 need to compete on the same level that like your Disney Plus, your HBO Max, your your Amazons of the world. Um, so you know they sort of laid out like here's the timeline, folks. Um, so the, the, the big thing is that all Paramount movies will stream exclusively on Paramount plus come 2024. The reason this doesn't happen sooner is, you know, when you launch a streaming service, all of these companies had pre-existing deals with other companies to stream whatever cable rights, you know, that was where revenue used to come from. So 
Ryan, are you, know, you, are now, you suggesting that they did not plan to have a streaming service launch like years ahead of time and plan, you know, plan to have a moment where all their content would be on it for the launch? No, and Disney didn't either. And Disney's <laughs> strategy was to pay a lot of people a lot of money to get some of that content back. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and you know, like Star Wars, for example, almost wasn't on Disney Plus right away. That's an that's an example. But but um yeah, so basically like and part of this is like the recent Scream and Jackass Forever will both be in Paramount Plus come March, just months after they hit theaters. Um basically the studio is is going to bypass a ton of lucrative short term licensing revenue in favor of their streaming service. Uh because essentially the, the business model for a streaming service is invest billions of dollars in content to get enough subscribers that you can eventually hit profitability. It takes a long time, a lot of money, and a lot of subscribers. So you have to heavily invest in that. There is a severe danger in that, that if you can't get over that hill, you will not reach profitability. Um, so they are kind of going all in on that. Um, you know, so... Uh, yeah. Uh, and then, then you kind of have the weird thing with the Showtime originals end of it. Yeah. What is happening with that? Like, do I get the Showtime originals if I'm a Paramount plus subscriber? Essentially there's like it, what, from my understanding of it is there's like another tier now where like, if you pay a little bit more money, you will also get Showtime, but it can be through Paramount plus instead of having to be its standalone thing. So they're attempting to integrate it, but you know, it's not like. It's not like here's all of it right away. You, you know, there's just an. It's essentially like another tier of Paramount Plus now. Um, By the way, uh, stop. Uh, I know you're writing that email to me right now. You don't have to write it. So there was a superhero team spinoff of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They were called the Mighty Mutanimals. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes okay. so they weren't villains i was wrong they're they're not villains but there was a man ray leatherhead wingnut mondo gecko jaguar screw i loose. had i had plans this evening they have changed <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, i remember one of my friends was like super into this but i i never okay. really read them but uh yeah they look like yeah it looks crazy. Okay. Anyways, uh, back to Paramount Plus. Um, th there was a bunch of Paramount Plus uh, announcements, of course. At this yeah. Thing. So, yeah. So, so some other stuff to go over real quick. South Park and Beavis and Butthead will stream exclusively on Paramount Plus come 2025, and that means the entire library. So right now, like HBO Max paid a ch just an absolute ton of money. Uh, to to the South Park creators to get South Park for a number of years. Uh, well, so once that contract ends, it's going to go strictly to Paramount+. Plus. Uh, Halo Season 2 was ordered before Season 1 already debuted. They are really doubling down on that show. Wow. Uh, Taylor Sheridan now has, I think, the wealth of several countries uh, <laughs> as Paramount+, Plus has ordered a... More, another season of 1883, another Yellowstone prequel, a couple of more shows of his, and uh, weirdly enough, the Sexy Beast prequel series uh, has also been like resurrected now for Paramount+. Plus. So a whole lot of stuff. Just an absolute ridiculous amount of stuff. Well, the South Park and Beavis and Butthead thing seems obvious. That seems like they're they're taking a cue from the Disney Plus playbook of, you know, the Simps getting the Simpsons for their stream service. Like you just have so many seasons and so many episodes, especially of South Park. And I know Beavis and Butthead is a little bit 
Well, actually, how does Beavis and Butthead work? Will they even have like the rights to show the the music videos? Because I know that's I really kind don't of like know. tricky. I don't know about that. Um, yeah, I do know. Like, it's Paramount Plus is sort of suffering some weird things right now because, like, Yellowstone, for example, Peacock paid a whole ton of money to get the rights. To, well, actually, not even all that much. Uh, to get the rights to stream Yellowstone before Paramount Plus was announced. So now Peacock is not budging on giving up those rights to Yellowstone. So, like, <laughs> the biggest show on cable right now that is technically owned by Paramount is streaming on Peacock. Yet all of these prequels and spinoffs are streaming on Paramount Plus. So, like, now eventually that contract will run out and eventually Paramount can get it. But it really sucks for Paramount that they can't get these the rights there. Um... I yeah I don't know I uh, that that's fascinating to me. Um, so uh, I think it's with, weird. With, I think it's weird. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say with all these announcements and you know Paramount movies streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus, you know uh, Scream and Jackass coming to streaming, you know uh, a couple months after they hit theaters. Is that big enough to make Paramount a real player? In in the movie sense, I, I'm kind of skeptical because Paramount really hasn't been a a big player in the movie business for some time now. I think, I think once you get the whole library in there and, and you know, it's an, it's an attractive offering of stuff, especially cause you consider like all of the MTV stuff is under the Viacom CBS banner, all of the star Trek, your South park, your Beavis and butthead, your jackass, you know, and like, there's a lot of stuff. It's, there's interesting stuff there. I, I think and the Nickelodeon of it all too. Let's not, you know, undercut. Oh yeah. How, let's not undercut how much it means for like parents to have stuff to throw on for their kids to watch. Um, I, I think it makes them a significant player, but I wonder if it's enough to get to that profitability level. That's the thing, because I just don't know if there's enough to go around for everyone. You know, because even Disney's not supposed to hit profitability till like twenty twenty four. You know, and that's after investing billions and billions in some of the most recognizable stuff on the planet. I don't know what it takes to get to Paramount Plus to be viable on its own. Um, I don't know. It's in, I, I really don't have the answer to that question. All of this streaming stuff to me just seems like it's built on a house of cards. It doesn't make any sense to me um, in terms of like a math, you know, business element. Um, I don't I mean, it know. It seems I'm to me that Paramount... I don't think Paramount Plus is going to be one of the streaming services to survive at the end of the day, you know, at the end of how many years or whatever. I think think they'll fight it out. But yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think what they're doing here is they're putting all their eggs in this basket, which is a smart play. Because is it it not? Because I feel like once you put you leverage all the franchises that you own and you put it all here at the end of the day, you're going to have something of more value that someone like Apple or Netflix will spend a shitload of money on more so mm. than today. I think the oh, value I see of the Paramount library. And, and I guess I mean? essentially you're, you're building up an enormous value that you hope someone eventually wants to swoop in on. Yeah. Um, that's what I think's happening here. I, I could be wrong, but well, cause that's it. Cause I mean, you're talking about a gigantic purchase then if that ever happens. Um, yeah, man, because the thing is, if that doesn't happen, Here's my concern. If that doesn't happen, <laughs> because I didn't think about that. That's an interesting thought. But if that doesn't happen and this doesn't work, if you get to like 2024 
and you're still hemorrhaging billions of dollars a year and it doesn't and like and like your subscriber base has started to sort of taper off then then what happens you know then what happens to all this content all that money because then you you've you, you collectively with every other studio in town have destroyed the theatrical marketplace you can't just pivot back to theatrical so then what and i've thought about this a lot lately because like you know i think peacock is going to have a real tough time and then i think you know i think paramount's going to hang in there a lot longer but i doubt if they can make it and then you have all these smaller streaming plays that certainly aren't going to make it what happens to all that content and what happens when you can't pivot back to theatrical because they are going all in on this and you know it's like playing a bad hand of poker you know if you go all in and you know you know someone someone gets a flush on the river or something you know it's like well, <laughs> whoops yeah so yeah i will say i i think out of all the streaming services right now I'm actually watching Paramount Plus in pure hours more than any other streaming service. And the reason why, this is probably not something universal to other people, but uh, they have the rights to Survivor. So I've been watching a lot of, like, I don't know, it's it's a good program to, you know, be laying down and watch. And and not only do they have Survivor, but they have, like, Survivor from other countries. And there's just, like, so many seasons of content on there. And also, I feel like for for people that like watch daytime TV, they have like the prices, right. And they have, yeah, you know, yeah. they just have decades of episodes, of but they have a lot of watch. stuff. I think that, but I think the biggest problem I have is that like, there's so much out there right now that like yeah. the, the sheer, like paralyzing element of like, when you're done with work for the day and you like open up your smart TV and you're like, what do I watch? <laughs> Um, so I think like Paramount plus in some way wins out by like having just like background noise TV that you can put on. Um, I actually don't even subscribe to Paramount plus right now because I have, I I just decided like I have all these streaming services that I'm not even using enough right now. Um, as much as there's stuff that I want to watch on the ones I'm not subscribed to, I just can't do it. Uh, so I think I might start like rotationally subscribing to things, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. And I think you're not alone in that, like, a lot of people that have Paramount Plus do use it a lot. Um, but, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, the long-term viability, I'm, I'm very pessimistic about where this is all going. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. But, um, yeah. So uh, that does it for today's episode. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.